Mm. I, I don't know, man, but I know I need to do something or you not, you know. I went to, I'm in my seven to mental hospital on a Sunday. That morning I woke up and I was just broken. I mean, I, I, you know, I was just like, okay, something's got to give. So I said, you know, if I could just make it to church, I'll be okay. Took me a long time to get ready for church, you know, because I, I didn't, I hadn't been eating. I mean, it was, I was real bad. And so bad to the point where my mother had to come pick me up. And I said, just get me to church. So I got to church. I had, you know, church where they have, um, all, you know, uh, like prayer lines, altar calls, where you just go up. Yep. And I was like, and so it was progressing. Like, if I could just get to the altar, I'll be fine. Wow. My pastor came up, uh, prayed for me. And literally, they was, they had to hold me up because I, that's how weak I was. And he prayed for me. And I got up and turned around. And I looked at my mom. I said, take me to the hospital. That was Charles Crouch describing one of the low points in his battle with depression. Uh, today, uh, he and Corbin Coleman are joining us for part one of a discussion of the documentary they produced entitled I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. Stay tuned. into relationships and you hosted by toby jenkins a licensed marriage and family therapist serving central kentucky each week toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health relationships or self-improvement the name of the show paradigm comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. You are listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You, I'm your host, Toby Jenkins, and today we have a full studio. We have uh, the founders of 4C Visuals Group, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman, and a return guest, Shine the Chef, my good friend, Sean Morrison. And today um, we are talking about a documentary that Charles and Corbin have produced called I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. So, um, you know, the, I've watched this documentary a couple times and uh, one of the one of the aims of this show is to normalize mental health, and this documentary is outstanding in terms of normalizing uh, depression. Um, it's something we don't talk about in the uh, Black community enough. And um, for the listeners, you can find this documentary on YouTube. If you just Google or type in "I'm Good Bro," it'll pop up, and um, it's something everybody should watch. And so the documentary uh, follows Charles in his journey through understanding his own mental health and recognizing depression and a lot of the suicidal thoughts that came along with it. But, you know, before we get too far into talking about the mental health side of it, 
Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad you can join us today. Uh, thank you for having us. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough how big of a contribution this is. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can, you can take in from a media standpoint. How big of a contribution this is to mental health and to Black men in particular. And, you know, I am pushing this video to everyone I know because I think it's something everybody should watch. But, um, you know, um, uh, Corbin and Chuck, can you tell us a little bit about how this documentary came about and how you came to form uh, 4C Visuals Group? Me and Chuck, uh, we've, we've known each other for some years. Uh, we uh, used to work together in corporate America. Um, how it came about was uh, Chuck had posted a video of a uh, his son's first day of kindergarten. And uh, he put it on Facebook. I saw it and just the story uh, behind that post. There was another little boy, it was his first day of kindergarten too. And his parents wasn't there or, or no family was around for whatever reason, no judgment, we don't know. But the fact that Chuck and his son um, saw the little boy and they invited you know, the little boy over to them and took pictures. It was his first day of kindergarten too. So they made it like a family event. So they sort of adopted him. Uh, and just the impact that I'm sure that it made on that little boy um, as well. And, and, and Chuck made a video about it and it went viral. So once I saw it, I reached out to him. I was like, man, that's a good thing that you did. And you know, we need more positive stories like that you know, out there. Um, I got an idea, let's meet. So, we met at Starbucks and we started talking over some things. It, it, it started off as, let's just put spotlights on black entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's how it started. Um, and that's basically how we got our practice in as well. Um, okay. So, and then it just sort of went from there and it grew. And then Chuck came up with the idea for the documentary. I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> with it because we haven't gotten that advanced yet <laughs> in videography. So so it's the case that neither one of you have a background in video production, the whole thing, and you've just right. learned it. Wow. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube University. Yep. Yeah. Well, my, <laughs> my thing is, I, well, I was going to, I was going to write a book about depression, right? You know, kind of, you know, what I deal with and I was going to write a book. And so, but then once we started getting into video, and I watch, Corbin to tell you, I watch documentaries all the time. Like, I just love documentaries. I just, you know, Empire, Power, and I just, <laughs> Game of Thrones, I have no clue about. Because that's, you know, and to each his own. Um, but, you know, once I got more into videos, I was like, I think it'll reach more people if we made mm -hmm. this visual. Yeah. And, and I just, I, at, I said, Corbin, yo, man, I, I think we should try a documentary. And then, you know, I said, we can do it. You know, mm -hmm. we already kind of, you know, got decent enough equipment to pull it off. And uh, we started doing our research. And at first, it was going to be a mini documentary, maybe 20 minutes. And then mm -hmm. the more we filmed, the more we filmed, I was like, dude, this is, this is going to be a four-hour-long documentary. And that, that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was... And, and, we pretty much have enough for a part two. Like that's how much we actually film. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Chuck, you are the subject of the documentary because you um, 
you know, the documentary, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to spoil it because I really like my listeners to watch it, but it chronicles your exploration and recognition mm-hmm. of depression. Um, and so how comf- how long did it take you to get comfortable to talk about it openly like that? It, it, it took a while. Um, it, it took some years. Uh, you know, if, if you truly have a tight knit circle of friends, you know, and family, you know, more than likely they're going to notice some things too, but not saying any, but not say anything. Yeah. But they're going to notice. And it's not a thing of, you know, you acting out, acting crazy, but they'll notice when you don't want to be bothered. They'll notice when you sleep all day, they'll notice when you're sad, you know, you're not yourself. Like, like Corbin, even now would be like, yo man, you good. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he kind of knows. Um, but it's almost like the older you get and the more you're involved, you kind of, and I don't say don't care, but it's just like people's opinion of you matters less and less. Yeah. And I I think the hardest thing for me was, well, I'm divorced now, but the, the hardest thing for me was, you know, women that I was in a relationship with kind of, you know, letting them know, look. You know, this is something I deal with. So you may not hear from me for a day or two, you know, um, <clears throat> just to be open and honest. And sometimes that was an issue. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. if you don't text them back in five minutes, you know, they, they hit you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, <laughs> that's just the culture we're in. You're right. So, but, <laughs> and so one of the reasons why I wanted to, I strategically put myself first in there because it's like wow to do this actually producing this documentary is putting himself out there mm-hmm. and it should be easy for everybody else because it's not like well i'm gonna hide mine but i want y'all to talk about yours it's like no i'm right. gonna show you mine starting back from sixth grade and that made everybody else comfortable so yeah that's kind of how that works yeah and i think the fact that you go back to those early memories of mm-hmm. it is really big um, because it's, it's, you know, it's mental health is growing in popularity and how we think about it. Um, you know, I think about myself yeah. when I was that age, I know I went through a period of feeling sad and not really knowing how to mm-hmm. talk about it. Uh, I remember being asked, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. aggressively and, you know, just in general, uh, the typical family, let alone the black family, um, we don't have the capacity to deal with emotions and mental health. Uh, we're good with the positive stuff right. or anger, but we're not good with the, uh, mm-hmm. the stuff in between. So, so this is one of your projects. What are some of the other projects? And you mentioned uh, spotlighting entrepreneurs. What are some of the other projects that you have coming out or you're working on? Yeah. So the, of course we started off with doing with entrepreneurs. We did uh, what about was it two, two of those Chuck? Uh, four. Rod, April, Tiffany, and Sarah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Four. So we started off doing that, just spotlighting them and tell them about their businesses and everything and how they how they started. And then, uh, then of course we went to the documentary. As far as uh, we're currently in the process of of uh, getting together to film a project about fatherhood. Uh, that that we're going to release the week of Father's Day, uh, nice. the, yeah, the week before Father's Day, because you know there's never anything to spotlight. You know, fatherhood. We may get a blurb or something, 
So mm -hmm. <laughs> we just wanted to, you know, put something out there, uh, positive information about that. We're doing a project, um, uh, Black Feminism. Mm. Um, I like that one. So what we're going to do, like I said that that one is going to be a, a good one. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, part two of uh, I'm Good, Bro. So, so we do have a lineup uh, that we're going to do, but the next one is going to be the fatherhood one, um, and then we're going to go from there. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a big one. You know, I, I recently heard or read a study or maybe it was a blurb in the news. Um, black men in particular get, um, don't get associated with fatherhood very much, but the contrary is actually true. Most, they're, most black fathers are really involved with their kids. Mm -hmm. um, sure. mm -hmm. as something that, um, that's a positive that doesn't get played up very well. Um, right. but we're up against our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to dive deeper into um, Good Bro, Unmasking Depression in Black Males with uh, Corbin Coleman and, and Charles Crouch. Um, we'll be right back after this break. This is Toby Jenkins, founder of Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and host of Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy is a proud sponsor and supporter of Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. At Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, we work with couples, families, and individuals walking with you through life's challenges and transitions. You can find out more about Jenkins CFT and request an appointment for therapy at www. JenkinsCFT.com or by calling area code 859-806-0093. And we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships in You. Um, I'm your host, Toby Jenkins, and today I have Charles Crouch and Corman Colbin. They are the founders of 4C Visuals, and they have produced a, a remarkable documentary entitled I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. Um, also joined by Shine the Chef, uh, frequent guest of the show. And um, we're, we're talking about the many topics in, in the documentary. So, you know, there are a couple of different aspects to this documentary. One is finding people to talk. And so in the documentary, you not only have uh, Chuck, who talks in first person about his own depression, you also have a couple other people who've experienced mental illness. Um, and didn't know it. So, you know, how did you go about finding people to put in this documentary um, to contribute to it? We had put out like a call to action. So uh, social media is your best friend. So Chuck did like a little video to say, hey, we're doing a uh, documentary on black male depression. Does anybody want to be a part of it? Does anybody want to tell their story or, or from, from whatever perspective? And uh, Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong. That first time we didn't get that many people. Um, no, I, yeah. I I had a few, and you kind of, you know, you kind of have to filter through. Yeah. Some people hit me up, and but then I was like, I think you just want to be on TV. You know what <laughs> I mean? They're just like, one, one time in other words, three, I'm man, you me like, like <laughs> bro, that's everybody doing. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> A, a couple of people hit me up and I was like, and then, you know, there were, there were some people that did say that they would do it and just kind of never got a, they, they didn't follow through. So, mm. yeah, yeah. 
and, and then on the other side of that, so um, it just so happened, um, things happen for a reason. The, uh, the, after Chuck's part in the uh, documentary, it goes to the couple. Yeah. So uh, uh, Deron and his wife, they had moved to uh, Raleigh from uh, Los Angeles. So of course, I, that's, that's when you hear my voice, the voiceover. The, me and Deron went to school together. So he's also uh, alpha as well. And um, he was just telling, he was just sharing his story with me as he was getting situated in the house and everything and uh, you know about his bout with depression. And that's when uh, he told me, and then I just asked him, I said, would you be willing to share that on camera? Mm. He was like, yeah, you know, wow. and, and it was just like that simple <laughs> with, with, with him. And then of course, when, when, for the people, when you see the documentary, not only did he tell his story from his perspective, but his wife tells the same story from her mm -hmm. perspective. So you get two angles of the same story and it just flows. Now let's camp out there for a minute because okay. there's a lot to take in um, with their story in particular. One, it really highlights um, the relationship part of it. Right. And right. both of them having entirely different experiences of the relationship. Right. Um, now, there's certain roles and certain dynamics that take place in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stuck out to me about their relationship was that, at least in the beginning, um, we, in that role, it didn't look like Duran had knew he could talk to his wife about what he was going through. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, when we think about our relationships, um, even <laughs> I would say it in particular for black men is that we still have to be really, really strong and is probably <laughs> the hardest to be vulnerable to our partner. Yep. Um, because we, you know, we both are colluding in this aspect of what black male masculinity is. And so mm -hmm. I, I sense from watching it that there was still this fear from Duran that if I, if I share with my, if, with my partner, the struggles I'm having, will she still mm -hmm. see me the same way? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, um, it's funny. Their story is the one that resonates with a lot of people uh, when they give us feedback from the documentary. And yeah. one thing that we always we talk about when we go out on these tours and do these screenings is that we always tell people, what you see on the video, just imagine being in the room filming it. Mm. That's just how it just <laughs> yeah. how it was. So you can it, feel it's, energy. Yeah, you can feel it. And and what we always tell people like a little behind the scenes is that of course they filmed there separately, but they were not in the room together. So oh, when really? he did so he did his, she was upstairs with the kids. But then oh. when he was done, he went upstairs with the kids and she came down. Yeah. So as far as the and Chuck could speak to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, when it came to editing. All he had to do was like, wait a minute. They told the exact, but from the perspectives, yep. let's do the, let's do the back and forth. Mm. And it just that's why it flowed so well. With, I'll, with them. Yeah, I'll be honest. That was probably the easiest part to edit mm -hmm. because I mean, literally, it was the, like the ebb and flow of that whole thing was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the, I mean, really the hardest part was I kind of I had, had to cut it off, go to other people. And then I said, well, at the end, I'm going to kind of put, you know, the, the happily ever after. 
if, if needed. Yeah. But yeah, that was yeah, that was amazing. Um, how easy that was. Yeah. It, it it played out what I see in the therapy room when I'm working with mm-hmm. couples is that sometimes we take for granted the experience that the other person is having because mm-hmm. even yeah. being in the same room, we can be having a, a very different experience and being able to right. validate that experience. But you know, the thing that stuck out to me the most with Theron and, and Trishan was that, you know, he moved to his new place and was kind of in isolation. And isolation is bad for any of us, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I've become a, I've become a fan of, of a couple of her, couple of other researchers and authors. One in particular is uh, Brene Brown, and she said something one time that really well. She she has said a lot of things and written a lot of things, but um, you know, in terms of uh, being vulnerable in masculinity, um, she began her research thinking about it from a female's perspective until one day um, while she was giving a talk, um, a man said, Hey, don't forget about us because the thing that our, the women in our lives don't want to see is us off that white horse. Um, And so um, you've got to have, that was the part that was really, I mean, it took them, took them a while to get to that point where they Mm -hmm. could, where, where, Duran could talk honestly, but um, what are some of the, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm giving, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and give it away. There's a path Duran went through. What were some of the things he did before he got to that point where he could reconcile what he's really going through? Uh, his, his path was, um, of course, he moved from LA in, to, to uh, Indiana. And, and it's something that the, uh, that what the wife, what Trishan says, the culture of the Midwest is, is different. It's of course, as you uh, can attest to being as you're up there in uh, uh, Cincinnati, Kentucky area, is completely different from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It was even completely different from the South. So just that adapting to that culture was one thing that she mentioned. And I'm originally from Chicago, so I understood what she was talking about. It is completely different. Um, the adapting from his, his path coming from a whole other region to the Midwest. Coming to the Midwest, she's getting her PhD at, at Purdue. She's doing her thing. He's trying to figure himself out. He's trying to look for, he's looking for jobs, but he's not, nothing is falling through. And he's trying and trying and trying and trying. And there's that, that, that masculinity piece, supposed to be, supposed to be the provider. Yeah, to be doing provide. all of these things. And I can't like how I want to, because he did, you know, they saved up from, you know, the LA to Indiana, that's a big move, especially right after they got married. That's a huge move. So he did his part, he saved up and everything, but the part that his challenge or his obstacle was, he didn't expect him, he didn't expect to take that long to find a job. Did he he say that he had any symptoms of depression before they moved from Indiana, like did it, or when he got there, did they, did he have anything like that in LA? Did he speak about anything like that? No, knowing Deron, he didn't have anything. He didn't say anything because he said everything was good. You know, when they got to, they just got married, packed up, you know, however, how many days later they got to Indiana, you know, new environment, everything. They didn't have kids yet. So it was just them two. So um, 
He didn't have anything, but it's that one key thing that, that, that Toby said, that isolation. There's the difference between isolation and solitude. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, isolation is more so from the outside mm -hmm. in, whereas solitude is from the inside out. And yeah. he was really isolated, you know, um, and just from hearing his story, it, it just... You know, I could relate to some of the things that he was saying and Chuck could relate to some, you know, some things he was saying. And that's why this story resonates with so many people because they're like, yes, I went through that or yeah, I couldn't find a job for a long period of time or whatever the case may be. So his flow was just so, you know, how they, how they say the stages of grief and maybe mm -hmm. tell me you could chime in on this from what you saw from that. Could you tell me like from a clinical perspective? What did you identify from his stages, from what he explained, as far as what you can see? Well, you know, the biggest thing that I saw was that uh, you mentioned it earlier. There, there was a heavy tie, and he talked about it in California. He had, he was providing, he was fulfilling a purpose with providing. Uh, from a materialistic standpoint, he had the Mercedes, which was a yep which is a symbol of that material accomplishment mm -hmm. of providing. And then he goes to this other, you know, they relocate across the country. He's no longer providing. And now men are ingrained with this provider thing. And when that mm -hmm. was gone, um, it was, you know, the fact when he said, I took a job at McDonald's when I was watching it, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, wow. That's really mm -hmm. That's, and then the thing that took him, gosh, now I'm telling what, what happened. No, okay, I'm not going to tell. But there was a, all right, I'm going leave to leave it as a cliffhanger, but there was something that happened while he was working there that brought all that crashing down at one time, and it was overwhelming. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so in terms of grief, I, I don't even think he got into the grief process because he was so isolated. And like you mentioned, right. I like the way you put the difference between solitude and isolation. Isolation is involuntary, generally, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and never good for us. Oh. So, yeah, I, I was deeply moved by watching their interaction. I, and I think it was so, so important to show that they were able to work it out because so many couples, that will come between them if they can never get to the bottom of what's really going on. Um, mm -hmm. darn it. Um, we're up against a commercial break <laughs> right in the middle of a good discussion. Um, you're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. Um, my guests today are Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. They're the founders of 4C Visuals Group. And we're talking about the documentary they have produced called I'm Good Bro Unmasking Black Male Depression. We'll be back after one minute insight. Stay tuned. host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is One Minute Insight. One of the top dissatisfiers in a marital relationship is being a parent. And parents make some typical mistakes, especially new parents, of turning their complete attention and focus and energy to parenting, um, to the neglect of their relationship. So one of the most important things you can do, especially if you're a new parent, is to prioritize your relationship over parenting. 
Now, if you need data to kind of back this up, because this does sound a little counterintuitive, all you have to do is look at divorce rates. There are certain windows of time in the journey of being a parent where divorce is higher. And two of those points in particular is being a new parent and being an empty nester. And that's no incident. It's, in, it's, in, it's an indicator of prioritizing parenting over your relationship. So prioritizing your relationship over parenting will not only benefit your child, it will benefit your relationship. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. One of the biggest stresses that we encounter is money. Money issues strain our family life, create stress in our relationships, and can provoke serious anxiety and depression. And many don't know where to turn to get relief. That's where The Darius Norman Show comes in. The Darius Norman Show airs daily on WTTA-FM 101.2 from 1 to 2 p.m. Darius Norman is a certified credit and financial counselor and author of Rewriting Financial Rules. It's his objective to empower others with educational tools and services to assist them in taking control of their financial and credit issues. Tune in to The Darius Norman Show on WTTA-FM 101.2 and you can follow him on Twitter at The Darius Norman Show. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and today I'm bringing you a guest update. Last year, I interviewed Dennis Adams and his wife, Chris. They came on the show to talk about how they were teaming up to tackle Dennis's throat cancer together. In the last couple of months, Dennis's throat cancer has advanced and they are facing insurmountable medical bills and they've started a GoFundMe page. You can make a donation to their GoFundMe page by going to www.gofundme.com. Hashtag D-E-E-S-T-R-O-N-G. On a side note, Dennis and Chris are one of millions of families across the country who are using GoFundMe and other funding uh, sources to fill the gap between life-saving treatment and medications and their insurance. So in addition to considering giving to uh, the GoFundMe page for Dennis and Chris, I also ask you in November to vote. Your vote matters on this issue. And I'm not telling you who to vote for. But I am telling you that today it's former guest on my show and friends of mine. Tomorrow could be someone in your circle of loved ones. You, we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. And today we've got a round table uh, of men, black men in particular, Charles Crouch, Corbin Coleman, and Shine the Chef, and myself, the host, Toby Jenkins. And we're talking about the documentary that Charles and Corbin have put out called I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. And before the break, we're talking about a segment in their documentary that um, uh, it's, it's a couple, and the husband, Duran, um, ends up in a situation where he's isolated um, in a new location, and start spiraling down. And a lot of things that they really talk about from a couple contexts. But, um, you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me, um, and I don't know that couples get there before the relationship falls apart, but ultimately, Duran was able to share his weakness with his wife. Mm-hmm. And so 
to me, that was huge because I don't know that we look at our relationships that way. Um, I mean, I'm a therapist and it takes a lot for me to be vulnerable in front of my wife. And that's something I never saw modeled. So, um, matter of fact, you know, as I think about the role models in my life, my dad being the most, um, um, significant is, um, you know, my dad, my dad had to be tough, had to be stoic. Um, I've only seen him cry one time. So, you know, I've got a group of black men here. How many of you would feel comfortable crying in front of your wife, partner, kids, um, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, this, so I'm completely comfortable with it at this point in my life. Um, so like with my ex-wife, I think I may have cried with her maybe two times in the 17 years we were married, Hmm. but I, I absolutely did not feel safe with that. Hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know what that was anyway, because it's one of those things, like you say, um, that model, where have you seen that, right? Where have we been as men taught to even show emotion, right? We don't, we don't usually grow up in that type of thing where it's like, okay, to show emotion It's more, it's pretty much the opposite, right? Right. However, um, after going through a divorce and um, I had another woman I was saying, I, di- I didn't really care because that it was, I had come to a place where it was more important for me to be authentic mm-hmm. and be free. Um, and if you, you know, my attitude at this point is like, look, this is who I am. Um, here's the emotions. It doesn't make me any less of a man. It doesn't mean that I can't provide for you. It doesn't mean that I, I, I am sacrificing my masculinity. And I think that's where we go wrong. We think that if we show emotion or cry, we're sacrificing our masculinity and, and our ego is not, not really trying to hear that. It, it don't want to hear, oh, we're going to lose some of our masculinity. We want to stay yeah. strong, the whole persona, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so Sean, you were saying you were completely comfortable crying absolutely man that's that's awesome like like um i forgot where i was i was doing something and i got teary out it didn't bother me yeah because i'm like yo this is real like this is like this is real (laughs) so so you know so how now there's been a lot of outpouring of grief in the wake of kobe kobe bryant passing away And it almost feels like that's given black men an excuse to publicly display grief, sadness, hurt. Um, Is that just me reading too much into it? No, not, not at all. (laughs) I have seen it. I have, you know, I I have, it's given people the green, black men, the green light. So to really, you know, open up in their emotions, just because that his passing really hit home for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, and I, I think the main reason is because one, he was 41. Yep. You know, I'm 44. So I remember 1996 when he got drafted. I remember, yeah. Um, I remember, you know, that draft. I remember where I was. I remember. So it's like you've seen his maturation process. You could say the same thing for Aaliyah when Aaliyah passed, mm. why that hit a lot of people so hard. Yeah. We've seen her grow. It's like you was there. So I think that's why I hit a lot of people so hard. But this one, 
it's tough. I didn't watch TV for like almost a week, maybe until the Super Bowl. Mm, yeah, yeah. But what I also think is because that's we're looking at each other, and it's like, hey, man, that was that could have been any one of us. And yeah. I like we're in that age group. We're in yeah. that age bracket where it's like, dang, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Like you start to think, well, you know, because I posted, I was like, look, you know. Or actually, I guess there's a joke, kind of, it, it's serious, but it's a joke when I say, I told Toby, I'm like, yo, we got to do stuff now because we might die. <laughs> right? I'm like, yo, we might die. Like, yes. you know, I mean that in, in jokingly way, but it, seriously, because right. at any moment, it changes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so that's why I'm like, yo, I can cry in front of a whole group because it doesn't, it doesn't change who I am. And, and, and really what, I've seen is that people approach me differently and they actually respect it and they are drawn to the authenticity of it. Mm -hmm. And so it changes, you know, I would have thought differently, but it actually makes them feel more comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. Corbin was actually, uh, we were at the house um, and we were, I think we were, yeah, I think we were working on video. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I got a text from a friend of mine that actually lives in LA, uh, a white guy, a white guy, um, my, my friend Shane. And he just texted me and said, Kobe WTF. So I'm just thinking, you know, what, you know, what, what happened? You know what I'm saying? I didn't, and then it's like back to back. And then I told Kobe, I called and I said, yo, man, I think Kobe Bryant's dead. Mm-hmm. Turned on the news and it was, and I think Corbin, correct me if I'm wrong, it was probably about two to three minutes where we did not say no. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that heavy. Like, yeah. And, and the, oh, the this as- is not, yeah. 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 And then on the aspect of it was, and you want to talk about uh, an array of emotion. So we had just, we were done editing and we were just pretty much waiting to see if our film got accepted to the right. Charlotte right. Black Film Festival. And they were doing a live stream. They were doing a live stream of making the announcement of whose film got selected. So we had just completed editing one video and then we just sitting there waiting for this to come out. And I wonder, why is this delayed? Why is this delayed? But then that's when all, you know, the news came out, the yeah. text and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, wow, you know, how am I supposed to feel? I'm looking at to see if we made, yeah, the, was, you know, film yeah. made it, you know, in the, in the film festival. and. I just didn't know how to process anything. I was just quiet. I was just a whole bunch of emotion. And I yeah, didn't know it was, what it was It was completely quiet in the room. I mean, it was almost like just the lights went out. And then you saw hearing all these other stories where Rick Fox was on the plane. And then it was where <laughs> yeah. all his kids was on there. And I'm like, this is getting worse by the yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was that, was, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah. So Kobe has given black men in particular license to to grieve and to mm-hmm. grieve outwardly but you know Sean you mentioned something kind of interesting you you basically said i'm okay with it but how do you know if your partner is okay with you expressing those kind of emotions and vulnerability um and this is the every anybody can answer that one i don't know if, i'm like i don't care <laughs> I know that's the wrong no, but I mean and what I mean by that is it's just who I am. So like I'm also in a place of like if I'm gonna 
have a partner, especially in a committed relationship, you have to be able to accept this. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to be anything other than my authentic self. Because if I can't, I cannot live a free life. And I cannot be at peace trying to be a representative or some shell of who I am or, you know, anything like that. So I, it's just not, I don't mean I don't care literally, but like, I don't care because I'm like, look, this is who I am. And um, that's where it is for me. So whatever part of me that, whether it's quote unquote good or bad or whatever, you have to accept it. Yeah. Right. And I have to do the same for that person. Otherwise it's off. Like it doesn't work. Is it easier with your kids than with a partner? Chuck, my Cole. kids, my oh, I was gonna say my kids. Uh, you go ahead, Sean. No, oh. I, what I was gonna say is my kids have have totally accepted that, and I've cried in front of them. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I have a daughter who's seventeen. Um, I haven't cried in front of her. Um, I mean, I've gotten emotional, but it's like when you see a child cry, especially mm-hmm. from a male, you see a child cry, you know, it it, <laughs> it affects you, you know. And I remember I was uh, uh, I was taking my daughter home. Uh, it was my weekend. I was taking her home, and she was looking in her phone to check her calculus grade. And that's just an area that she's just, you know, 4.0 student, and mm-hmm. she's struggling with calculus. So that was overwhelming for her. Like the one thing I'm gonna struggle with in my senior year is calculus, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was struggling and she just kept saying, I'm trying so hard, I'm trying so hard. You know, I wanna get into school, I just wanna be great. And then you know, it's like, in that moment, there's nothing that you as a parent couldn't do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, because it's something that she has, she has to take the test. She has to study, she has to do all these things, which she was doing. And I'm sorry. Math has never been my thing. <laughs> I stopped at algebra. <laughs> so anything above that, I don't know. And I don't even know algebra now. So it's that feeling helpless and you want to do something. And it's like, okay, now I got to talk off the ledge. Wow. So it's like, okay, let me get myself together. Do I can get her together. I understand her frustration. Now let's talk. So yeah. she didn't see me, my, my eyes water. Luckily it was nighttime, you know. What? You know, oh, you man. know I, I just let her, you know, yeah, get it out. And but I wanted to be that support, like, hey, I'm here to support you, whatever it is you need. If it needs tutor, if it needs, you know, me and mom need to talk to you know to try to help you out. Anything, you know, it's it's like, let me help you. Okay, what 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 can I do? You know, let me fix it, which is something mm. natural for me, and let me fix it. Yeah, interesting. Even if we don't even if we don't know how to fix it, <laughs> let me try to fix it. Did so, she not see you because you didn't want her to, or because it just happened to be the scenario? I think it was just the scenario. Um, and it, what is it? And I know this is probably wrong. Is you got to be strong for? Uh, I guess I got to be strong for other people. You never want to see your your kids break. You you don't want your kids to see you break down because you got to be strong for them. You know, it's like we got to have that uh, that cape. Shout out to Charles, you know, <laughs> got, got, got to have that cape on. Um, you got to be that superhero dad and come to the rescue. So oh, it was sort of like in the moment. So 
it was just that moment I was caught off guard. You know, I was driving. <laughs> taking, it was right around the corner from her house, and it just happened. So, <laughs> you know, uh, we're we got to go to another commercial break. But um, you know, uh, you you've walked into one of my sayings, which is, "It's okay to not be okay." Yeah. Uh, and I think, that, and that's kind of the opposite of what you were saying earlier. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we, we try so often to be strong for others and, uh, we suffer, but, um, yeah, this is, um, <laughs> good, good stories, uh, and good experiences. Um, we're up against a commercial break. You're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. My guests, once again, are Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. They have produced an excellent documentary entitled I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. And um, we'll be right back after this break. You've got mail. You've got mail. Uh, today's list of mail comes from Clara. Clara writes, I've suspected for a long time my husband has been cheating on me. I've confronted him and he denies it. He often acts funny with his phone and freaks out when I just look at his phone. He continues to say, I'm just paranoid, but I am not. How do I know if he's really cheating? My advice would be, you look hard enough for something, you, you'll find it. <laughs> so you yeah. got to make you gotta make sure that's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, don't ask for it if you don't want it. So. And don't, and if, if she is going to, uh, confront him about it. Don't do it in public. Um, God, you mean don't record don't. it and show it and put it on? Uh, <laughs> 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 nope, got enough of that. Uh, oh, what I found. Look at this. Yeah, the episode of Cheaters. Nah. Uh, <laughs> and I think it would be important for her to express how she feels to him in a non-threatening way. And yeah. actually, if she feels like he really is, what makes her feel that way? And then two, if he is, and it comes out that he is for her to go into an, uh, a place of understanding why mm-hmm. versus a place of, a place of being a victim of his cheating. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good, Sean. Like, well, hey, bro, listen, man. <laughs> I do a lot of studying, bro. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Plus, I was a, I was a victim directly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my thing is, you know, she when you do stuff like that, you have to be ready for any result. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, any, any response. And, and yeah. If you're ready for any, then, but just know if you seek hard enough, you'll you'll find. You know, and, you'll find. And, and even if that's not what you find, you're gonna find something. Yeah, <laughs> something. You know. Yeah. Completely so, unrelated. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's true. I mean, I um. Those of us, I was talking with another therapist. Uh, we we specialize in couples, and at any given time, half of our client load of couples are dealing with some type of infidelity. Mm-hmm. And so, the the one thing this would be controversial, I'm sure. And when I say this to people who aren't therapists, they say what? But um, if you if you've lost uh, trust in your relationship, and you can regain trust. And so I'm a fan of whatever it takes to regain trust. So mm-hmm. if that means uh, open passwords, going to a flip phone, whatever it takes to rebuild trust. But I can't tell you how many times that therapy sessions, especially when there's breach of trust, start with, look at this, a screenshot, uh, another dating profile. And so 
You know, it, I think the same, the same rules should apply to your digital life that apply in your real life. And, um, and if you don't have trust there, you probably don't have trust in your regular relationship either. So, and if your partner's not willing to uh, rebuild trust, then I, I don't know if the, situ- uh, the status of the relationship, but it may be worth moving on where you can trust them. And we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. You know, before the break, we were talking about uh, having the safety in our relationships uh, as men, as black men, to be vulnerable. Um, and that takes comfort and safety on our end and, our, and on our partner's end and all the things that, that go into that. Um, but, you know, we, um, sorry, and I drifted us this way. But, you know, going back to the documentary, it starts with you, uh, Charles, talking about your revelation of uh, being depressed in 2002 as a 26 year old man. So um, I I would say many men in their twenties are probably not aware enough of uh, uh, their own kind of emotional well-being to make that call. So um, tell us more about how you came to that realization and like your progression from that point on. Yeah, um, so I was 26. Um, you know, and it's, 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 it's not like I went to the doctor and just got a checkup and then he was like, oh, you know what, you're depressed. You know, it's, it's nothing like that. Um, and it really, it really doesn't matter how, how, you know, how in touch you are with yourself, with, you know, with your emotions. Uh, if you break your leg, Toby, it's, it's going to hurt. <laughs> and you don't know it, you know what I mean? No matter how much you've tried to ignore it. So, and it, the same was with my mental state. Mm. I could not ignore that because the pain was, had become unbearable. Mm. And you know what I mean? And I, and I had to get a check. I couldn't think my way out of it. I couldn't positive confession my way out of it. It was just like, something's gotta be done or mm. I'm going to lose, you know, my life due to my own hands or to the people around me. So, um, you know, and I, tr- you know, I'm not, tr- I try to, you know, think positive, but people got to understand, you know, with depression, sometimes it's impossible to think something positive. You just can't do it. So you mean you just can't snap out of it or? No, oh, no, absolutely thoughts. not. No, you okay. can't just. And I, and I tell people all the time, you can't just snap out of cancer. You can't just snap out of diabetes. <laughs> you can't just snap out of, you know what I mean? Because it's it's an imbalance or whatever. So yeah. uh, the young lady I was dating at the time, um, she didn't notice it, but I was pretty open with her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together. And I would talk to my mom, uh, talk to my dad. But you know, he. I think. I think we're kind of all in the same. I think we're all in our forties. So you know, our parents are, like we alluded to earlier, our fathers. They were tough. You yeah. know, they were. You know, you work, provide for your family. I ain't got to tell you I love you. You see this food on the table. That's me telling you. You know what I mean? And they uh, had their own stuff. Right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. so when I would try to bring it up to my dad it was just kind of like oh man you know tell that my dad's a preacher you know tell that devil tell that devil to get off of you and i'm like well i tried that (laughs) (laughs) 
Yo, listen to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know. Where's your Where's your faith at? Mm. I, I don't know, man, but I know I need to do something, or you're not, you know. So, in what Corbin's um, had spoke of, that I went to, I'm in my seven to mental hospital on a Sunday, and. Mm. That morning I woke up and I was just broken. I mean, I, I, you know, I was just like, okay, something's got to give. So I said, you know, if I could just make it to church, I'll be okay. And it took me a long time to get ready for church, you know, because I, I didn't, I hadn't been eating, you know. Wow. So I mean, it was, I was real bad, and so bad to the point where my mother had to come pick me up, and I said, just get me to church. So I got to church. And to make a long story short, I had, you know, a church where they have, um, all, you know, uh, like prayer lines, altar calls, where you just go up. Yep. And I was like, and so it was progressing. Like, if I could just get to the altar, I'll be fine. Wow. My pastor came up, uh, prayed for me. And literally, they, was, they had to hold me up because I, that's how weak I was. And he prayed for me and I got up and turned around and I looked at my mom. I said, take me to the hospital. Wow. And, and which is why in the documentary, you'll see there's a segment where we talk about church. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, are we doing enough? And also people think, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm a Christian, you know, and I'm not negating the power of God at all, but it's like, sometimes it just, it takes more than that. Yeah. And then once I, I mean, literally, I went from the altar to the car hmm. and, to the, and, to, and to the hospital and stayed there for a week. Yeah, that, that piece about the church kind of stuck with me kind of hard. Yeah. Because I was like, you know. People talk about praying a lot, but they don't talk about doing a lot. Exactly. And I'm like, hey, okay, so if we're going to go there, faith without works. Let's keep it right there. There you go. Yeah. Hold on to that. Like, hey, that means you still got to do something. Yeah. yeah. Right? And and it's like you can, you know, you're not going to change your situation mentally, physically, whatever, emotionally, until you do some type of work around it. Yeah. And I, I think we lose sight of that when we try to hand it over to God. But I'm like, hey, man, God, he, he, you might get some help, but you yeah. still got to do something. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain to people when they, when they say, well, what's wrong? And you say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I don't know. You, you can explain it to faith. You can explain the broken arm. You can explain doubt. All of those are physical. But when it's a point where you're like, I really don't know. All I know is I feel awful. Like it's, and and so that's why people kind of blow you off. Is oh, you'll be all right. You know, it's it, you know, and it's like no, it's it's bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? And so then I was like, I gotta, y'all not helping. Thank you for the prayer. But I gotta. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought uh, I thought it was brilliant the way you and Corbin uh, tackled the issue of church 
Um, and I think the church is evolving um, to, and you 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 capture it pretty well. The church is evolving to think about mental health differently. Um, but um, you, you have to approach people in the church with the same kind of scrutiny you would someone with a mental health background. Sure. You need to do your homework. Are they qualified to help you in that way? Um, and like you, like you said earlier, uh, often one of the, I think, from my perspective, one of the more damaging things is when you're not trained and it becomes an issue of faith or you need to pray more, um, it can be extremely damaging. Very, very, yeah. very, very damaging. Um, so, um, and there's, I'm sorry. I was going to say that that would compound the issue because then you're not only in a emotional battle of sorts, but now you, you could potentially fall into a spiritual battle or, or conflict of some sort by like saying just pray and then now I'm having thoughts of oh maybe my faith isn't strong enough or maybe my belief whatever the case may be in that aspect. Or worse um, if you go Old Testament maybe God is punishing me and yeah. I deserve yeah. this. On top of it yeah. Um, so it, it, it can be a real real slippery slope and you know, someone who's well-trained in both uh, theology and mental health is awesome. But someone who's just trained in theology, trying to tackle mental health can be, can very, be very dangerous. Um, and yeah, I thought you guys tackled that very well. So you went from, <laughs> you skipped the donation plate and went straight to the car. They take up the offering first, man. So they want to make sure everybody. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, and I and I look at the blessing, and I'm like, at that time, you know, I I wasn't a father yet, so you know, I have really had time to kind of deal with me. Yeah. Before I got married, and then you know, before I before I became a father. Um, Yeah. You know, but yeah, I um, yeah, I went, I went straight from the altar to the hospital in my suit, man. Do you remember what you were thinking on that ride to the hospital? Uh, I was thinking, I'm finally going to get the help I need, mm. and, and and I didn't care what anybody thought. Amen to that. I mean, literally, it was like, and it was funny because at the time, my mother and I, and I, I mean. Granted, I was living on my own, but my mother and I went to a different church than my dad. So when we left my church, we stopped by my dad's church to pick him up because he was very supportive, even though he didn't really understand. And once you could kind of see that once he was, she, they called me Junior. She said, we, we need to take Junior to the hospital. Hmm. And it's like, we kind of clicked with him right then. Wow. Oh, wait. This, I must really didn't understand what was going on. You know what I'm saying? And it then after that, that yeah. absolutely, yeah. And did yeah. you? What about your mom? Like, did she? When you told her, like, what was the her reaction when you were like, "Hey, take me to the hospital right now"? Like, like you, you know, not- she, she's a mom, man. She's okay. If it's if it's gonna make you better, if it's gone, give me my, you know, son. Let's let's go. No hesitation yeah. at all. You know, but you know, you know how dads are. You know, yeah. I want you to be tough. But I, I thank God that you know my dad was not uh, to a point where it was like you'll be. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. You know, 
very yeah. supportive. And then after that happened, they educated themselves, man. And um, you know, it's just been it's been good from that from that point on. That's awesome. You know, um, you glossed over something. Um, you were suicidal at some point there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that that was um that was right before I went to the hospital. Yeah. That, that was right before. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is this is not good. Yeah. I never yeah. attempted it. Right. I never attempted because I knew I knew that had I done it, it, it would not have been an attempt. I was, I just knew it, it yeah. would have been done. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. that's why I was like, okay, either I'm going to do this or I'm going to set my pride down and go get help. And then that's what, that's what I did. Did those thoughts scare you or like, was it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would, I was planning, making like mental plans in my head. I'm going to do yeah. this. I know this person mm-hmm. is going to be at work. They're going to be out of town. And you know, wow. so it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and at that point I was like, Ugh. You've been listening to part one of our discussion with uh Chuck Crouch in his journey with depression and a review of the documentary he and uh Corbin Coleman have made entitled I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. Uh join us next week. We will continue with Charles's um, journey with depression and talk about many other aspects of mental health pertaining to men, black men in particular. See you next week. Show.com. You can find archive shows and additional details about guests of the show at the show's website, www.paradigmradioshow.com. You can follow weekly one-minute insight posts on the show's Instagram and Twitter feed at Paradigm Radio Show. For archived episodes, you can find episodes wherever you subscribe to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Insights into Relationships and You is brought to you by Jenkins Professional Services and Hype Media Global. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm. Insights into Relationships and You with Toby Jenkins. Join us again 